Good morning, church. How's everyone doing? So I'm today's pastor. Uh, so my name is Dina. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the assistant pastor to uh, Ruben and Gabby. They're the lead pastors of our church. Um, who's enjoying this weather right now? Oh, wow. I was expecting a different answer, guys. I like summer. I can either choose summer or winter. I can't like live in between where it's just sunny in the morning and just suddenly it gets cold at the night and it rains randomly. Because I'm not the one who checks the weather app every morning to make sure what's happening. So Monday morning, I left my attic window open because it was really sunny and we had live groups on Tuesday. So I thought I need a good space. Um, apparently it rained Monday after night. I didn't even know that. I just slept really well. Next day morning, I came here. Two days later, they were talking about there was a rain in Lisbon. I'm like, no, they didn't rain in Lisbon. Uh, so yeah, two days later, I went up. I saw the whole floor carpet full of water. Uh, yeah, it was a fun week for me. Um, so yeah, I don't like this weather. I, I like either summer or winter. Um, so if you're traveling, if you're having, visiting Lisbon, I hope you're having a good time in this uh, fun weather. Uh, but if you're with us for the first time here at church, we are in a sermon series called Stop Going to Church. It's a fun series. Um, I, I just want to give you some context, not telling you to like, let's all leave now. Um, but we want to build a community that just don't attend church or attend a mass every Sunday or even some people just go to church only on Christmas and Easter and uh, they say they are Christians, which is really hard to believe. So we don't want that community to be like that. We want a community to be planted and rooted and grows with one another. And we want to be a church that loves, cares and surrenders our life for the kingdom extension, not just to pass our agenda of arguments but we want to be selfless with each other. And last week, Pedro unpacked beautifully of how you have to read the God's word, not just to like try to make sure what you're thinking is correct, but try to understand what the background of the verse is, what the context, what the culture is, and how we need to be completely in the scriptures if you want to grow at all. And I was thinking about all this and it's, it's really cool that um, we, we have to, we know what to do, right? We have to be planted at church. We have to be selfless. We have to read the scriptures. Um, and I know we started a Bible reading plan in our men's group. Uh, and it's going amazing, guys. I'm telling you. Uh, we started New Testament in 90 days. Uh, and day one, five people read. Day two, one. Day three, one. Day four, one. And then um, that one was me, and I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, thinking, oh man, I don't know. It was hard. It's, uh, reading the scriptures, uh, it sounds simple. I was, even when I wrote the message, it's like two chapters, guys. It takes literally 15, 20 minutes to read. But it's easy to just say things, but it's hard to put into practice. It's hard to be committed to a church. It's hard to be committed to a community because... It's hard. Who, who thinks community is super easy to be around people all the time? It's not. It's, uh, we, 
we have we are complex people. We are people from different cultures, and look around you. There, it's barely you can see two um, countries sitting together. We have people from all the countries represented here, and and this community is even more harder than you just sit with people within your culture. And then you see, man, it's really hard. Let me go to the scriptures and find something encouraging. And you see these challenging verses. I know the girls are reading Hebrews. Man, that is the hardest book of the Bible. One of the hardest, at least. It's not the easiest book to read. Full of Old Testament uh, references. And they're doing a really good job. I'm so proud of our sisters uh, compared to our guys. <laughs> but Scripture sometimes does not provide direct answers. And you start to feel, is that even real? Like, what's happening in this thing? And, and I was, we were talking this morning, and someone was saying, Sometimes I even think about, is scripture authentic? Who, who wrote this? It's a, a lot of books and I don't understand sometimes. And you start to doubt. So who here struggles with doubt today or in the past about scriptures or about Christianity in general or about God at one point of time in your life? Most of them. The rest of them are not being honest. If you have been Christian long enough, you will have questions or doubts at some point of your journey. In reality, no one's faith is perfect. You are just in a journey of going from uh, growing in your faith to be a perfect faith. And this journey takes time. This journey takes experience. This journey takes, you got to walk with God in this journey. And we're going to read the scriptures. We're going to see how to take this journey and what is the best way to take this journey? And, and we all understand it's not an easy journey. And we need God's help to do this. And we're going to open the scriptures like we always do in Riverside. I'm not just saying what's the best motivation speech I can give. But we're going to look into the scriptures and say what God's word is saying about it. So I'm going to ask Barry to read from uh, Matthew chapter 11, starting from verse 2, if you can. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written... Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Thank you. This is Lot's word. If you love taking notes, um, I know some of you, I see you're, you're typing in phone. We're going to learn three things today. Why do we doubt? 
what is the right attitude when you walk through the stage of doubting and questioning? And what's God's response to us during this time? We're going to see three things today. So let's give some context to this passage before. So Masood, if you can go back one slide before. So he says, the passage opens when John heard in prison. So who is John here? So John here is John the Baptist, right? So he was a prophet. And we just read, according to Jesus, he was one of the greatest of all men who was born of women. So greatest prophet. Yeah, that's a really amazing feedback from Jesus. And this is the same John who preached the coming of Messiah in the wilderness. This is the same John who baptized Jesus. It's the same John who announced people to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's also the same John who heard the voice from heaven, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that a good experience of Jesus for John? That's pretty good experience. He, he's, he's not aware of, he's not, he's not uh, being unaware. He knows who this Jesus is. And then here, when the passage opens, he's already in prison. So, he was arrested by King Herod, and he was put in prison, and he was probably went to prison right before Jesus started his ministry. So Jesus started becoming this famous figure in that area. John was already in the prison. He didn't see Jesus doing any miracles. He probably heard about these things. So in our text here, um, it was very straightforward. So John is saying, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? He's becoming very clear. Are you the one? Are you the one who he says you are? He's questioning the identity of who Jesus is. Is that a minor thing or a major thing? It's pretty major, right? He's not asking silly questions. He's just directly saying, hey, are you Messiah? Are you the coming one? Before we go into why would John ask this question, uh, is it a good thing to have doubt? Who says it's a good thing to have doubts? Who says it's not really a good thing? Is, can we say John the Baptist was an unbeliever because he had this question? No, he's not. He, he is a believer, of course. He, he lived his life in wilderness eating locust. Is it locust? Am I saying it right? Locust and wild honey and wearing camel clothing, preaching the gospel. And he believed he was there for Jesus, preparing the way for the Messiah to come. Living in faith doesn't mean you won't have any doubts. So the next one, doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Let me say again, doubt is not the opposite of faith, but unbelief is the opposite of faith. So doubt says, I can't believe. It's hard, I can't. But unbelief says, I won't believe. Mm -mm. I won't believe. So doubt is mostly honesty. I, man, I don't know. Look at this. I have questions. But unbelief is stubbornness. That's it. I place my arguments. 
I won't believe anymore. Doubt is looking for light. Doubt is looking for clarification. But unbelief is not, it's just happy to live in darkness. They just want to like, I, this is my truth. I don't want to engage anything else. Having doubts doesn't make you outside Christianity, but having unbelief is. So why did John have doubts? So we saw John was in prison. He was literally awaiting execution. And sad story, spoiler alert, he will be executed. He will be beheaded by King Herod. And his experience was horrible. So his experience of his life does not match the expectations he had for the Messiah. He expected the Messiah to come when he said, when he comes, he's going to judge the unrepentant people and he's going to bless the repentant people and it's going to happen right now when he comes. And here is Jesus on the stage and he's hearing about Jesus. He's hearing about no judgment. He's hearing about nothing. All he heard about is he's walking around and healing people and helping the poor and preaching the gospel to the poor. His expectation, it was so crushed. He expected so much of Messiah, so much for uh, how things should have been, how fast it should have been, but it wasn't moving like that. And I'm sure I can relate to that, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that here. Your experiences sometimes don't match your expectation how Christian life would look like, how God would do things in your life. You would see you lost someone in your life, which is, I, I heard some of the stories here, that's the beauty of having this community coming from different parts of the world, and they lost people, and you can't reason it out. You can't explain why they did it, why it happened. And they ask, do, do you think God cares about me? And I know a friend who lost his mom and his, his, his uh, stepmom, like not stepmom, the mom who raised him, like a lot of her fam his family one by one. And he starts a question, does God really care about me personally in, in a personal way? I know he's there and all that, but does he care? Are you thinking, um, well, Dina, you, I, I read God is a good father who provides and takes care of his children, but I'm in Portugal for so many months now. I don't have a job. I'm trying all the things I could. I don't have money. And I see all my friends are thriving, and I see people having a, a, a good life. And you're saying, I'm not even asking for a great life. I just want a comfort. I just want rest. And I don't find it. And it, it's... And I'm starting to question it. Does God really care? Does he really love me? You can maybe relate to John's suffering of how things are not moving when you are stuck. When you are in prison, things are not moving. And you're not hearing good things about the Messiah. You're not hearing good things about the kingdom happening, Jesus coming, things are being new. Nothing. And this could... Honestly, if you're honest with yourself, this could create questions and doubts in your heart. And that's the honest truth, right? I'm, I'm not going to hear to say, you can't have these um, thoughts in your heart, or you can't, you have to be strong, uh, push through. No, I'm not doing motivation speech today. But honestly, it just creates questions. Or I was talking to a brother, and he was saying, maybe in your spiritual walk, he doesn't seem moving anywhere. 
does God really work in my life? I had a really good conversion experience. It was amazing. I got baptized. I was for fire for God for the first two years. But now I'm, I'm just passing through. It doesn't, I don't feel it. I don't feel the presence. I know I'm not a, not a sl- slave to sin anymore, but I just keep on sinning. I keep on failing. I have this habit I can't cut. Does it, is God working? Or I don't see it. Tim Keller puts it this way. A faith without some doubts is like human body without antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy are too indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if he or she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be disregarded after wrong reflection. So if doubts, if properly addressed, if properly processed, if properly addressed in a way to uh, have reflecting on it, it will actually strengthen your faith. You will come out of it stronger. The other side will be much brighter. That's not going to shake me anymore. I've been there, done that. So what's the right attitude when it comes to... um, from this passage, when we have doubt, now when we are going through this situation, when we are going through this season, what do we do? Let's see what John did. So the verse says, when, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and he said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? So what John did here is he went directly to Jesus and asked him the question. He just went back to the source and asked him, Is, are you for real? And I, I've seen, especially since we are, so we are a church, uh, Riverside Lisbon. We are also, we have a nonprofit organization called Lisbon Project. We are both connected and uh, Lisbon Project works with immigrants and refugees. And we have a lot of uh, interns and students coming along to, from different parts of Europe to help us volunteering. Such amazing, kind-hearted people, right? And most of them are not Christians, but they help us in um, the nonprofit. And they, I have a lot of discussions with them. I, I work here at church, so we, we talk a lot. And they have very good questions. And they go, why is there suffering in the world if there's a good God? Uh, there's so many religions in the world. Why, is, why are you saying Jesus is real? Why don't you accept the rest of them too? How do you know resurrection is true? It's, you are not there at the time. How do you know? Who told you that? All of these questions are excellent, by the way. That's how you start. You ask questions. But have you checked with the source? That's my, I always struggle with that. I've asked them, have you read the Bible yourself? At least have you read like the New Testament? See what? The scripture says, because that's what, what the people do is they mostly read some good arguments from blogs, from internet, from Instagram, 
um, and then they bring to the table and present their arguments. Again, I'm not saying coming up with reading some good sources are bad, but that shouldn't be your primary source. That's more like you just want to prove your point. But if you really have doubt and trying to find an answer, you look to the source and see what this is saying and see if that does make sense or not. Oh, no, but I've read the Bible, but I need 100% proof. I, I don't have 100% proof. Um, this is my lifestyle. I, I'm not religious. I, I, I want complete proof before I do anything. Um, yeah, so about that. In life, you, we all do so many things without proof. It is true. Um, okay, so I know some of you are new here. Some of you have already been here. Uh, what do you guys think about this building? You like this building? Okay, let's put it this way. How, how many of you know there's an auditorium downstairs when you first come upstairs? There's no way, right? I come up and they go like, I, I remember every time I bring people down and they open, they're like, whoa, there's a building here. And then they see this, because this is not a typical auditorium, it's like a makeshift auditorium. We just made it to, so we can gather and worship. Um, so before you come in to this really old makeshift building, how many of you reviewed the plans of this building to make sure this is safe? Oh, no. Well, at least, uh, were you there when the building was built? Like, do you know someone who built this building? No. Okay. Um, do you know the engineer or architect or someone with your friends or who can approve this building is good? No. Well, at least do you see the crack there in the center of this roof? I'm just kidding. There's no crack. <laughs> Don't be scared. But you know where I'm going with this, right? You do not have all the facts about this building, but you're already in the, in the building. I'm not saying you just made an irrational decision. I'm saying you did make a rational decision based on good reasoning. You... You reasoned in your mind, okay, in Portugal, buildings don't collapse. And I probably trust Ruben and Gabby to rent a proper building. And Ruben and Gabby probably trusted the owner who bought this building, who probably did his due diligence to check everything. And the architect probably designed it correctly, calculated all the weights. And the contractor probably didn't mess it up while he built it. He didn't miss a slab or, or a beam there. We trust the process, don't we? That is called reasonable faith. It is not a blind faith. You make reasons in your mind. You don't have all the proof. You don't have all the facts. Nothing is present in front of you. But you reason it out, and it makes sense. Christianity is exactly the same thing. I'm, I, I'm not sure how many of you are in the age of like trying to figure out if you want all the proof. Let me tell you, you won't get all the proof. You won't get all the proof for anything. Like, even if you have all the plans and everything for this building, you don't know the labor who built it if you mess it up or not. I was in construction. I know sometimes we mess it up and we just say, just pour concrete and let it go. Like, no one would see. Like, they're not going to go come and check. We'll just keep going. So we do it all the time. I, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad construction. It's just saying there's no way to find out the 100% proof. 
Are you doubting or are you really unbelieving? You got to ask your question. You just want to stay this side and never want to go? Or you want to explore and see the light, see what is true? The right attitude when you have doubts and struggles is always go back to Jesus. Always go back to the source. Always go back to the scriptures to see what it says. One of my favorite incidents that I think I bring it up in every other sermon is from Mark 9. It's a desperate father who comes to Jesus requesting uh, the healing of his son. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, bro, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And this is the hard cry of this man. He says, I believe, but he also has doubts. And that's why he's saying, if you can't do anything, please do it. And we, we, and I know we'll talk about faith. And if you have more questions, we'll have our Sunday, unpacking Sunday tomorrow. You can ask the questions. Uh, We'll unpack more on that, but you always have some doubts when you haven't even asked things, and it's okay. Ask God, God, I believe, but I, I'm not sure. I don't know how it's going to work out. God did not say, go fix your faith first and then come back to me. He said, it's okay. I will work in your life even with your doubt, even with your struggles, even in the situation where you're not 100% confident that I can come through but I will come through for you. So when you have doubts or struggles, don't get unplugged from church. Don't get unplugged from community. Don't separate yourself from the scriptures. Don't leave God. And I'm going to go do a search of my answer of my own. It's, you can't find answers outside the source. The source is with God. That's where you find all the answers. Even if I won't be able to relate to everyone's struggle here, each one personally have different struggles, different doubts, different questions. Sometimes I can't relate. Something, sometimes I think intellectually. And then people say, no, I don't feel it that way. And I go, how do you not feel it that way? I make a reason for you. But I can't relate to everything. But we have someone who does relate to everything. And the author of Hebrews says... For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go to your loving Savior. He will give you rest on the time of your need. Your hope is not built on an outlook of how a situation looks. Your anchor is holds beyond the well. It's, it's built on the blood of the cross. It's not going anywhere. Seek him through scriptures. Study the word. And meditate on his promises. And God will reveal the mysteries to you.
How many of you are aware of Romans 8? The chapter Romans 8 is, is, is one of the best chapters in the Bible. If you haven't read it, I highly, highly recommend read Romans 8. If you have doubts, questions, struggles, read Romans 8. And I remember when, when my mom was, um, she called me when she was uh, waiting at the hospital to hear f- from the doctor. Uh, they were waiting. My sister had another seizure and they were waiting. And she was completely crying. And, and I, whenever I talk with my mom, I always reason out. I always intellectually talk, argue. And this moment, I have nothing to offer. I can't reason out why this is happening. I'm, I'm going through the pain the same as her, but she's going through way too much. She's, she's there in the situation. I'm not walking because I'm here in Portugal, but they are there. I had no idea how to comfort her. I had no reasons that I can present to clear her doubts or questions. I still remember all I did is open Romans 8 and started reading that to her. I said, Mom, just give me like five minutes. Let me read this and then you can go. Paul writes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sport? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any power, neither height or depth, neither anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever the situation you are going through, whatever doubts, whatever struggles, remind yourself nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. Your situation is not an indication of God's character. God loves you in Christ Jesus forever. He's not abandoning you. It may seem like he abandoned you. He's not. And ask God. Pray. Tell God, God, I I don't know. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my questions. Help me with my doubts. And what did God say? What did God responded to John? We continue reading. It says, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news. And good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John asked this question, are you the one to come? Uh, He's quoting the prophecies from the Old Testament and asking, are you the one to come that we all read about in our Old Testament all the time? Are you the one? You, You can see two things Jesus did not do. He did not give him a direct answer saying, yes, I am. Or he did not say, how dare you ask this kind of question, man? Come on. You proclaimed my coming. You heard all these things and now you ask this question. He didn't do either of these things. These, the blind receive their sight and the poor have, have good news preached to them. Again, these goes back to the prophecies in Isaiah. So Jesus is 
answering John in the way John asked this question. He's giving him a personal answer. He's just not saying something, a mystery box. Here's a mystery, go solve. Find out where my providence is in this situation. Uh, how my sovereign will works in your life. No, he's just giving him a proper answer in the same way he asked a question. And John can probably get that answer pretty easily. Maybe for us, it's like, why is he not being direct? But he's being very direct for John. Jesus knows who John was. He understands John's situation. He graciously answers him to his heart, to the way he gets it, to the way he can uh, connect with it. Like, like imagine a person who, was like, who, who studies all the prophecies. He probably knows all the New Testament. Jews usually memorize the whole Torah and they are here with everything connected. And if Jesus says, yes, I am, the way we expect, he probably won't be convinced. He probably will be like, well, how? I know you say, yes, I am, but how? But Jesus is saying, let me quote you the same way you quote me. Do you remember Isaiah said the heal, the blind will be receive their sight? Do you remember the poor, the gospel will be preached to the humble? Isn't that happening? I think um, Luke, when he narrates this incident, Luke says Jesus performed these miracles in front of John's disciples. He just put on a little, you want to see? Watch this. And then he did the miracle so they can see and then tell John what just happened there. And he can relate, ah, yes. Maybe I can't answer all the questions you have. Maybe Ruben, Pedro, or Gabby can't answer all the questions. But Jesus can. He can actually relate to you personally. He gets you the way you want to hear the answer. I can reason all out and then you, you, you go and say, I don't feel it. But Jesus can speak with your heart directly. When you honestly seek God for answers, he will provide them to you graciously in a way you understand it personally. Maybe God can speak to you directly in prayer or when you read the scriptures or through Reuben Gabby or the pastors or the leaders or a life group leader or a ministry leader or even the person sitting next to you. He can speak through anyone to you. Now it's up to you. It comes to a point. Do you believe it or not now? Are you going to harden your heart um, I, I don't have all the answers. Maybe that's not the answer I expected. I need different answer. Although the scriptures don't tell us what happened after this, it is uh, very clear that John did believe Jesus after this. But there was another group in the same chapter who saw the same miracles, who saw the same evidence, who saw exactly the same thing what John's disciples saw, and they did not believe. Matthew 11 says, 20, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Would you want to be with John the Baptist? Or would you want to be with the other group that you don't want to repent? I'm going to invite the worship team here as we prepare our hearts to worship again. And we're going to ask God, in this next song, we are really going to open our hearts and say, God, I need faith. I need more faith. Doubt is just a gap between your current faith and your perfect faith that God wants to work in your life. And now you are here. Or 
you got to pass this bridge. And also, I want to say one, one more thing. If you are in a season where you're really strong for God, you are on patient, you, you don't have any questions, you're believing everything, you are very strong. And if your brother or sister has doubts or questions, first thing don't do is to not throw Bible verses at them. Don't say, the man who doubts is like a reed in a wind. It's a completely different context. I will explain that later tomorrow if you want to. Jude says in this letter at verse 22, he says, be merciful to those who doubt. He says, be merciful. Would you show the grace and love of Christ that he showed you when you were struggling? Or are we going to be all judgmental? And if you're walking into the season of questions or doubts or you want to do research, while you do all that, would you also consider going back to the source? Would you also consider just opening up and reading the Bible? Coming, connecting with the community and really praying to God to help you in the process? But at the end of the day, we need to decide how much evidence is enough evidence. We need to decide, do we just keep on asking for God to show more before we believe? Can I challenge you this morning to doubt your doubts? You have doubts, but doubt, doubt your doubts. What if your doubts are incorrect? Or you're just going to say, no, my doubts are always valid. And all things we discussed today, I'm not saying this comes from the power of the will, just think every morning, meditate on it. No, it comes purely from the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask God to help us in this process. We can't do it by ourselves. God needs to soften our hearts. He needs to open our eyes to the truth of His Word. Without it, we can't see it. At the end of the day, John was not incorrect. He expected a Messiah to arrive. He expected the Messiah to judge the sins. But he just didn't do it in the way John expected. Jesus did arrive on the scene. He did judge the sins of the whole world. But he didn't judge it on us. He took, he took all the sins on, on himself when he went to the cross because we expected God well judge the bad people leave the good people it's a good way yay no he said no I'm, I'm going to take it all on me whatever your struggles you're going through it's nothing compared to what Jesus did for you and whatever demotivation you are situation you are in right now where you feel like I'm failing all the time I'm just struggling I don't know if I'm good enough for God. You are because He went to the cross for you. Cross is where your doubts end and your hope begins. Come to the cross. Meet Jesus there. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, God, I... We don't deserve you. We don't deserve your love. We are not the perfect people here. We are not the smartest people. We struggle all the time. God, if John struggled, we struggle like 100 times more. 
God, would you be patient with us? Would you help us to show the way? Would you speak in our hearts? Would you build our faith muscle today? As we go out of this auditorium, God, let us, let us have more faith than we came in. Let us look at the cross. Let us run this race with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith. You are the author and perfecter of our faith, not our will, God. God, let your love change your hearts. Let your love change your doubts. Let your love clear our mind. Let your love comfort us in this, in this season that we are walking through. God, I, I know so many of our brothers and sisters are, are having, a, honestly, a difficult moment right now, a difficult season. I hear stories. God, would you help them? God, would you be with them? Would you confirm in their spirit that they are secure, that they are within your will, that their life is not away from your will, they are within your will, and you are walking with them in this season. And this season brings so much fruit, God. Let this season bring, build their faith more. Let this season bring, be an example for others through their life. God, help the brother or sister to break the habit of sin that they're struggling about. The selfish ambitions, God. Help us to just leave that at the cross. We don't need it anymore. Let us look at you and run this race. Give us more faith as we walk this road. We can't do it alone. Help us, God. We need you. We really need you. In Jesus' name we pray.